Hello, it's Wednesday 11th of May. I'm Hannah Pearson. On today's show, Gary Bowman and I will be discussing the reopening of tourism in Laos with a longtime friend of the show, Jason Rowland. So let's get started. This is the Southeast Asia Travel Show. Hello, wherever you are in the world, and thanks for listening in. Well, Hannah, we've been talking in recent weeks about the pieces of Southeast Asia's travel landscape being gradually put back together after the pandemic, but there was still a Laos-shaped hole. That has now been filled as Laos reopened to international travelers this week on Monday the 9th of May. So who better to update us on the current situation than our man in Vientiane? Jason Rowland. Jason is senior partner of Vientiane-based RDK Group and editor-in-chief of Champa Meng Lao magazine. Jason has been a guest on the Southeast Asia Travel Show three times before, most recently on the 26th of November 2021, six months ago. So Jason, thanks for coming back on the show. How are you doing and how are things in Vientiane today? Oh, thank you so much for having me back. I'm glad to know that there's such an interest in, uh, in Laos. Vientiane is doing all right. Uh, we're about to enter the rainy season, so uh, things are a little bit overcast today. The, the rainy season has just started, Jason. What, what's the, uh, the seasonality of that? Usually the rainy season starts in about June, but due to climatic changes, uh, they are sometimes just a little bit early. So this is one of those years. So is it sunshine in the morning, rain, rain in the afternoon? Yes, that's about it. So Jason, last time we spoke, let's look back, that was back in November, as Hannah said, that's six months ago. And at that time, the Laos-China new railway was just about to launch. I think we spoke a few days before that. Have you had a chance to ride it yet? And what was your experiences? And, and how do you think this is going to benefit the tourism industry over there in Laos? Yes, I did actually ride it back in December. On the outset, there are some teething problems in regards to convenience, primarily that you can't book a ticket more than two days in advance. And uh, back then in December, you could only buy a ticket at the train station. And the, in Vientiane, the train station is about 10 kilometers away. So you'd have to drive out very early in the morning just to queue up at the, at the train station to buy a ticket, then drive back home, and then a few days later, drive back out again to the station. So it's really uh, impractical. But so to remedy this, they have put in a ticket counter at one of the shopping malls in downtown Vientiane. But, but it only sells tickets two days in advance. Not the day of, not one day before, only two days in advance. So what we really need is an online ticket booking system, but I fear that that might not happen until we can get more inbound Chinese traffic. It runs right through the country, doesn't it? From the Chinese border down to the capital where you are. Which, uh, which part did you ride? Yes, I rode all the way from Vientiane to Luang Prabang. Um, I mean, the train itself is blissful and smooth once you get onto it. But before that, you have to deal with the hassle of just booking tickets and then being shouted at through megaphones by staff wearing full PPE. So. So you, you feel like you're not really in a very welcoming situation. It's, a, it's all a bit jarring. And riding to Longkorbang, the views are really lovely for about half of the journey. But then after that, it's mostly just tunnels. So it's good to bring a book and something like that. On board, there is a dining car, but it wasn't in service then. And I think it might still not be at this time. So it's best to bring some provisions for your journey. And that journey takes how long, Jason? That trip takes about two hours. And how long did it take before by road? By road before... It could take anywhere from about seven to about 12 hours, depending on the route taken. So it's a major, it's a major time save. And some top tips from Jason then for our listeners for when, <laughs> when they make it to Laos. 
Definitely. If, if you need to go up north, just take the train. It's, it's a lot easier. So, so previously, did people fly between the two cities? Yes, indeed. The, the flight itself is only about 40 minutes or one hour. Um, so people would normally fly, but this is also a newer way. So there's a lot more, uh, it's more of the novelty of it. It's also a lot cheaper than flying. And there are also more, more departures per day. I think right now there are about three departures by train per day to up north. And during the Lao New Year celebration last month, there were up to five departures today just to handle just to handle all of the demand. I think in the coming year, we'll also see more foreign travelers, especially Thai people, who will be excited to try the train. And then when China finally opens up, there will definitely be a deluge of travelers riding down into Laos. And I guess at the moment, no indication of when that will happen. Yeah, unfortunately not. Unfortunately not. Where Everyone is waiting for the Chinese market to open up. So you've also been traveling other places uh, throughout Laos. What have you found that's changed? Traveling throughout Laos these past few years, it's been kind of sad to see how many tourism businesses have closed. Uh, Luangkabang itself is typically rather lively, but now there are so few restaurants and guest houses open. Uh, Lao travelers have been visiting, uh, by train especially on busy weekends, but they're rather really budget conscious. So they typically just would eat at a food court or a noodle shop on the side of the road for something cheap to eat. So most of the businesses that previously catered to foreigners have simply had no choice but to close down, and some of these permanently. Places like museums are also more likely to be shuttered due to just lack of demand. What has been booming, though, are sort of outdoor food garden restaurants. Uh, these are often built outside of towns where families and groups of friends can gather in a hut to eat, drink, and be merry. Glamping is also on the rise. So there have been many more tented camps and sort of soft adventure activities uh, to take advantage of the beautiful nature. What sort of areas would those be in, Jason? Where are the, the tented camps? There are some outside of Vientiane. Uh, there are also a lot outside of Lomperbang as well. So anywhere there's a, an urbanization, then there's going to be more glamping as well. So let's talk about the reopening, but let's go back a little bit, Jason. We, we, when we were talking before, uh, back in November, Laos was still closed, but there were hopes that it was going to reopen. And then in January of this year, we had this sort of semi-opening scheme called the Green Travel Zone Scheme, but it didn't really happen uh, in any scale. Tell, tell us a little bit what that situation was. What was the Green Travel Zone and, and why didn't it work? The Green Travel Zone began in January and it, it was sort of a very hesitant reopening. Tourists had to purchase a tour through a tour company in order to be able to get access to the country. Uh, and the steps for getting clearance for tourists to enter the country fell entirely on the tour company, who had to scramble around with a giant stack of documents to various ministries for stamps. Um, this process was difficult and slow and tedious, and it totally neglected FIT tourists. Travel was also limited to certain areas of the country, and but flights to get into Laos was, were also scarce and expensive. So as a result, in the first three months, Laos received only about 500 tourists. So sad. And so, obviously, the, the big news this week is that Laos is reopened. So on the 7th of May, uh, there was an announcement that it would scrap the scheme and open on the 9th of May, two days later. So what are the current restrictions? Actually, it's very easy to come to Laos now. Um, for fully vaccinated travelers, all you need is your vaccine card. Visas on arrival and e-visas are also available. Uh, the country has basically reset itself back to like February 2020, and all the border crossings are open again on the Lao side. The country is working on rebuilding its air capacity. Currently, we have some flights to hubs like Bangkok, Hanoi, Seoul, Singapore. Um, air Asia is also planning to restart flying to Laos, both from Bangkok and Kuala Lumpur. 
So you both will need to come up to visit soon. <laughs> so Jason, the, I mean, the interesting thing there is it, it, it seemed from the outside that it happened very quickly. As Hannah said, last Saturday, there was announcement that the country was going to reopen, you know, scrap all the restrictions two days later from Monday. In the country itself, did you get any notice that this was going to happen? There were rumblings and feelings and leaks and uh, rumors that things like this were going to happen. There was a period of about three days when they actually put a new scheme, a tourism scheme up on social media, on all social media platforms uh, to ask for public feedback, which is really unprecedented in Laos. Um, that sort of thing has never really happened before, where public comment is, is welcome or, and, and sought after. Um but basically, the comments were mostly, yeah, get on with it, open up. And so why do you think the government finally chose to take that step now? And what took them so long? In Laos, with regards to COVID, we were always behind everyone else. Um, it really needed the health situation on the ground to stabilize first. Public perceptions of COVID also needed to change. If you looked at it a year ago, since we had very little COVID in the country, it was very taboo to be known to have COVID. Um, you know, you would want to hide in your house and things like that, or else, you know, you would be taken away to some quarantine center or something like that. But fast forward to December and people were openly posting their positive and negative ATK tests on social media. And a common greeting between friends became, have you had COVID yet? So once public perceptions of the virus changed, once people had more contact with it, then there became a greater appetite for reopening, particularly as two years of closure have severely impacted the economy. Yeah, you mentioned there, Jason, that one of the challenges now is building out the air capacity. And and what we've seen from Cambodia is one, it did a very similar thing a few months ago, just removed all its restrictions quite quickly, but it hasn't really delivered the tourist numbers, I guess, that it was expecting. I guess there are a number of reasons for that. What's the talk in the industry at the moment about what Laos needs to do next? Because in some ways, you know, the hard work kind of starts now. Yeah, um, opening the door was just the first step. Um, this has already been achieved, but now the country really needs to focus on inviting people in. Country-level marketing needs to be strengthened and focused on creating demand to get people to want to travel here. In a conjunction with that, air links need to be reestablished as quickly as possible on routes where that used to service the country. But it's also a fantastic opportunity right now to create new routes that didn't exist before, like flights to Phuket or Tokyo or India. And is there any indication that that might be happening, that that's in the offing? There are whispers, but we'll see. It would probably be something very last minute. So those routes that you talked about a few months ago, Jason, I think you mentioned uh, Bangkok, you mentioned Kuala Lumpur, you mentioned a few others. Are those simply reanimating routes and services that existed before? At the moment, there's not any new ones on the table. Right. That's simply reanimating existing routes that existed before. One one that I've neglected to mention is flights to Cambodia. Uh, this is mostly due to the fact that people that would take the flights between Laos and Cambodia were mostly Western or European tourists. Uh, and since they haven't really returned in any number, that doesn't hasn't made these routes viable yet. That's interesting. And you mentioned there needs to be that this, this need to market Laos on a country level. I mean, do I remember correctly that there isn't a national Laos tourism board? Is that right? Yes, uh, the, a, a national tourism board has been in talks for many, many years. Um, right now, what we do have is a destination management network, uh, which oversees uh, and advises on tourism marketing. But it's not so strong yet, but it's working with all the sectors, both the, the development sectors, the public sector and the private sector to try to bring some, at least bring everyone to the table to discuss issues relating to tourism in Laos. 
And you mentioned earlier, Jason, that a lot of travel businesses have, have closed. You mentioned a lot of restaurants have closed. The whole industry has been hit so, so hard. The tour operators that have survived and that are preparing for, for reopening, you know, what is it that they're offering now? Are they looking at travel in a different way? Are they looking to introduce new services? Are they looking at trying to create Laos as a single destination? You know, what, what are their sort of objectives now? Yeah, I mean, tour operators have been chomping at the bit for reopening since basically since we closed down. I mean, like in other countries, their livelihoods have been totally devastated. But on the national scale, to reassure tourists, Laos has been working to develop its own health and hygiene standards called LaoSafe. Hotels and guides and drivers and restaurants would be assessed and able to achieve certification. Then they will be better prepared to service both domestic and international guests in a clean and safe manner. To help uh, this aim is to provide options, particularly for international tourists when planning their holidays to Laos so that they can be reassured that they'll be in the best of hands. So we've said before on the show that, you know, COVID has really given this opportunity for countries like Cambodia and Laos, which have previously been seen as, you know, a small part of a multi-country itinerary to be able to actually market themselves as a single destination trip. Do you think we're going to see this or is Laos going to continue to be this kind of add-on to your trip to Thailand or your trip to Cambodia? (sighs) That is definitely easier said than done. If Laos is going to stand on its own as a single destination, it really needs to step up its marketing presence and build its flight connections as widely as possible. I would think that one of the hesitations for tourists uh, during and after COVID is the bureaucratic hurdles and going in between countries with regards to testing and vaccinations and online registration platforms. And so thankfully, Laos has removed all of these and could, at the very least, continue on as an add-on destination while it tries to overcome some of the larger issues that stand in the way of it becoming a standalone destination. And in terms of regional travel, Jason, the, the Laos-China railway was designed primarily to, to bring not just Chinese uh, travelers, but Chinese products into the country, a cross-border route in. A lot of Chinese before the pandemic used to drive into Laos. What about cross, cross-border travel as opposed to airline travel? Is that something the country really wants to, to develop? It wants to try to develop any sort of travel that it can get uh, at, the, at this stage um, with the economy in, in 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 tatters at the moment, uh, any sort of foreign exchange is going to be good. So if it can get the cross-border travelers like the Thais coming in um, or Vietnamese people coming in, or if we can possibly get the Chinese to come in, uh, then that will really bring in some foreign, much needed foreign currency reserves and and help us out of the uh, current economic quandary. Absolutely. I mean, coupled with this, I guess, is that the fact that competition for these international travelers in Southeast Asia is really intense. You know, since Laos first reopened in January, nearly every other country within Southeast Asia is more or less open uh, to travel, maybe a few restrictions here or there. Um, So how can or should Laos differentiate itself from its neighbors? This is true. Um, Historically, we could count on a lot of spillover from tourists visiting Thailand or Vietnam. But when even Thailand is aiming for only 5 million or so tourists this year, the number of these that would come on to Laos would be incredibly small. I would like to see more proactivity and creativity and even humor in Laos's marketing, as well as a greater push online and through travel media. Uh, This could help make a bigger splash rather than pictures, uh, brochures of the same photos of temples and waterfalls and things like that. I think really a bigger issue is that tourism benefits are not as valued throughout the realm of decision-making. And short-term gains are often chosen over longer-term rewards with regards to things like the protection of nature. 
for example, the last freshwater dolphins just went extinct in southern Laos a few months ago. Laos can promote pristine nature all at once, but when tourists get here to find rubbish littering the roadsides and all of the wildlife gone, they're going to feel lied to. Lao tourism marketing should market the country's strong suits, which are more or less its culture and nature. But care should be given that it doesn't overpromise and underdeliver. I mean, I don't really have the magic answer to how Laos can promote itself if it doesn't wholeheartedly believe across every sector in what it is promoting. You made a good point there, Jason, about travel media. We've seen, I think recently in Malaysia was the first inbound travel fam trip since, since reopening. We've seen travel fam trips in Bali and in Thailand. I mean, I'm not sure if that's something that Laos is planning, but did you get much media coverage before the pandemic? And is it, you know, was that something that could be built upon? Um, it was always sort of the same, you know, wistful articles about Longkorbang and glittering temples and monks walking through the streets and things like that. I would like to see that come back again, of course, but I would like to also see some of the other things, um, you know, talking about other sides of Laos that not, not, just, the, not just the postcard perfect areas. Yeah. And well, I mean, what about Laotian cuisine? That doesn't get a great deal of coverage internationally, does it? Indeed, it's it started to become popular in America, um, basically due to the large number of Lao people that immigrated to America. Most of these people would end up, you know, starting and working in Thai restaurants and just cooking Thai food because that was what was more known. But now Lao, Lao, Lao cuisine has started to become a thing in its own right. Um, there's even a Lao food foundation that is uh, working to help promote Lao food across the world. Interesting. So that could almost be another kind of soft power. Thailand always likes to talk about soft power, but a, a different way of, of promoting themselves to tourists, right? Yes. Uh, don't ask Lao people about mango and sticky rice. It's a very sore spot. <laughs> so now the borders are reopened to international travel. Do you see the government continuing to promote Laos to domestic visitors? Obviously, we had this Laos, Tiao Laos campaign. Is that going to continue or are we seeing the spending power of, you know, the average person in Laos being heavily impacted by, you know, the, the current economic situation? Yeah, I mean, at least for the next year or so, domestic tourism is still going to be important for the industry, uh, particularly as we're still working to build capacity to bring in more foreign tourists. Um, even with more options for Lao people to travel abroad, the state of the economy here will probably cause them to stick closer to home especially as the rates to purchase Thai bot and U.S. dollars are really unfavorable at the moment. So only the very wealthy will be able to travel abroad. Other people will probably go to abroad, but that's probably more to find work. I'll try to bring home, you know, Thai bot and uh, maybe Singapore dollars or something like that back, back to the country. On that note, I was just checking the exchange rate with US, between the U.S. dollar and the Lao Kip, and it's fallen almost 40% in one year, and it's still going down. Part of this is due to the fact that we haven't been receiving as many foreign currency inflows, with tourism being a large factor in that. And in a country where most of the goods used in daily life are imported, the cost of living is just skyrocketing. Um, wages really haven't been able to keep up with the rate of inflation. I mean, look at the, the minimum monthly wage today is worth only about $85, whereas a year ago is about 120 you mentioned earlier, Jason, you were talking about uh, domestic travelers in Luang Prabang. You said that they were value conscious, of course, that there are economic factors that drive that. When is domestic tourism taking place? Is it mostly during public holidays? Is it at weekends or, or there are other patterns as well? Yeah, mostly long weekends, public holidays. Um, the, the new expressway to Vang Bien uh, has allowed Vang Bien to flourish every between Friday and Sunday every week. But there are even people in Vang Bien, uh, you know, hotels and businesses that are complaining that 
because of the expressway, it's so easy that people can just go back, go and back in one day without having to stay there. And what's Vang Bieng like now? Because that always used to be traditionally a, a sort of backpacker hangout. What, what's going on there now? Yeah, Vang Bieng is a, it's a chameleon, really. Um, I mean, it started out back in the day where it was just a backpacker hangout. Um, people inter, inner tubing and and uh, on the river and, you know, happy pizzas and all of that sort of thing. Uh, but then that got cleaned up. Then a Korean television show actually made a, Made a made a TV show in in Bang Bieng, and so that made it really popular with the Korean market. And so then after that, it became like Korean town. But then COVID hit, and then that sort of dried up. And now it's now sort of the Lao people are now moved in to be like the the dominant uh, tourist market for Bang Bieng. And before the pandemic, when Chinese travelers were coming in, I know I think that Luang Prabang was very popular with them. Were there other destinations around the country that they were heading to as well? Was Bang Bieng one of those? Absolutely. They would come to Vang Bieng. They would also come to Vientiane. And they would, of course, go to the Golden Triangle area where the uh, the special economic zone and casino is. Um, so those are sort of the main, the main highlights, pretty much anywhere north of Vientiane. And so, Jason, I mean, you've, we've been alluding to this so far and, you know, the, the cost of living crisis and economic situation. But of course, this week, the other big headline, along with the fact that Laos is going to be reopening, is also that um, fuel importers are unable to continue to purchase fuel, right? And, and that there are there are petrol and that there are fuel shortages in Vientiane. Tell us about that. Indeed, it is a very cruel irony that now people can travel here, but they might not really be able to get very far, or it might be very costly. Um, currently, the government is only able to import about twenty percent of the fuel that we need per month. It's currently looking for other alternatives, but the declining KIP exchange rate and the high cost of foreign currency required to buy the fuel is causing the country just to spiral downward. On the bright side, perhaps it will be a good time to promote greener forms of travel like the electric train and, and maybe bicycle touring. Yeah, we don't really know how long this crisis is going to last, uh, but Laos has been through worse. And one of the charms of this country is the resilience and resourceful nature of the Lao people. And how is it impacting daily life, Jason? When you know, are you able to buy gas? You know, are there petrol stations that are open? Is it impacting jet fuel? Um, right now, it's only impacting um, regular petrol and 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 diesel. Jet fuel isn't greatly impacted. Uh, this is still able to be imported uh, due to the fact that the requirements for it are not, are not as high. We're not using as much jet fuel these days as, as we are other kinds of, of fuel. And I guess when we look back over the show, it sounds that we've been gloomy because there are a lot of challenges, particularly economic challenges. But the country is reopened, Jason. Do you see this as a, as a time for optimism after, you know, two, two and a half very difficult years? Yes, it is. Um, it's bittersweet, to say the least. Um, we're very happy and very welcoming uh, to have foreigners come back to Laos. It's been a really long time, and especially those of us who live here, to be able to leave again, uh, to be able to leave Laos and be able to come back, that's a, that's that's really a blessing. So we're really thankful for that. That being said, it will be a challenge moving forward with these uh, financial and economic crises at the moment. And so for you on a personal level then, now that you can leave and come back, are you planning to do that? Yes. <laughs> to be, in, short, in short, yes, I am planning to, but as of when... Maybe within the next month or two, we'll see. Uh, I'd like to at least get to Thailand, you know, stock up on supplies and um, clothes and, you know, see some old friends that I haven't seen for a while. Sounds good, Jason. Sounds good. And, and how's business for you? Are you keeping busy? Yes, uh, keeping quite busy. Um, 
between different um, consulting jobs and and uh, still producing the the in-flight magazine for the for the airline. So uh, everything is still going quite well here. So that brings us to the end of our special Laos reopening edition. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and don't forget to send us your thoughts and comments on anything we discussed with Jason or anything we missed out. You can drop us a message on our LinkedIn page at the Southeast Asia Travel Show. Yep. Meanwhile, you can catch up with the Southeast Asia Travel Show's full back catalogue on our website, www.theseasiatravelshow.com. And of course, you can listen to every single episode, including this one on Laos, where we spoke to Jason, on all the various international podcast platforms. Again, just search for the Southeast Asia Travel Show on each one. And please remember that if you tune in via Spotify or Apple Podcasts, if you could give us a quick rating and a review, that will help other people to find the show. So that's a wrap for today. And we'll both return to talk more travel and tourism in Southeast Asia with you soon. 